Hello team, it's Pam here from Alt Marketing School. I have a question for you right now and that is what would happen if you could market to hearts and not brains? What would you think would happen if you knew that you could make the world a better place with positive impact marketing but putting purpose and results first? If you want to find out, then come and join us for the Alt Marketing Certification. Our six-week digital bootcamp for professionals who want to do marketing differently and advance their career along the way. Join me and our six incredible teachers to learn how to advance your career with confidence by applying effective systems and frameworks to the latest trends. The next cohort is coming up soon, so I would love to have you join us. And all you have to do is apply to join at altmarketingschool.com slash learn. Go to altmarketingschool.com slash learn to apply for the next cohort of All Marketing School certification. Hey, legendary human. Yes, I'm talking to you. Love the show? Why not joining hundreds of creatives already part of our collective for monthly masterminds, challenges, masterclasses, and so much more? We help creatives make a positive impact in the world with their message and their content. So give your creative work the visibility that it deserves. Find out more about how to get involved in the show notes of this episode. Hello and welcome to Make an Impact Show, a podcast run by Creative Impact Co. Our mission is to help creatives grow their business, hone their marketing and share their stories by outstanding content. Hello team, Fab here, founder of Creative Impact and your lovely host. And today I have with me the loveliest, Amy. Hello, Amy. Hi, how are you doing? I am fantabulous and that's not just because Fab is my name. How are you doing? I'm very good today. Very good. Thank you. Today we have one of the most energetic people I've ever met is um, Glenn is amazing. Glenn Jones, you're going to meet very, very shortly. It is so much fun and you can feel his energy literally from listening to him. Um, so I'm incredibly excited to have him with us today. He also has, is very passionate about a topic that obviously resonates a lot with our lovely Amy, which is veganism and especially introduction to veganism. Um, mm-hmm. Because we talk, his background is as a personal trainer, which we've talked about his fitness um, journey and also his business. But he also wrote a book, and that's the reason why I had him on the show, called I Think and Grow Vegan. And um, I think it's very interesting to hear about a self-published author trying to understand how to get his word out to the masses. Um, and it reminds me that a lot of the books that I actually have in my bookshelves are from friends and people that I know and people that really put their dreams and passion into the paper by just trying it and kind of like, you know, doing whatever they can. And there's an element of collaboration. And I know that it's something that you have experienced as well. <laughs> I'm just going to put you in the spotlight, Amy. Uh, um, we obviously participating and supporting some cookbook authors with their books. Yes. Yeah. And it, as you say, it's amazing to watch someone put their passion onto paper. Um, I've worked behind the scenes um, on a couple of cookbooks and they've just been amazing. But the amount of work that goes into them is incredible. And talking to them about the whole process of publishing and how you go from your actual proposal to actually getting it to print is 
it's just an, a, a minefield. I would not know where to start. So self-publishing is something I just could not even imagine. It's such a big task. And I, obviously this is like an, another little like drop here. Um, I did sign, a, you know, a deal with a publisher for my second book, which I'll reveal more about soon enough. And that was a big accomplishment with me. But also I self-published my first book, which I do mention briefly in the podcast as well. And it was a very different experience. And I think, you know, every single time that you need to appreciate that if you do self-publish, or if you do try with free eBooks, I know there's something else you've done it. Yeah. Um, these things will teach you something because it's really hard to prepare yourself for the task that is publishing a book because the amount of work that you put in and then the way that you have to promote it, you think, ah, uh-uh, that's it. And there's so much more you have to do. There's so many things that you will learn along the way. So I really hope that Glenn gives you guys that inspiration to potentially try something new and actually get the book of yours out in the bookshelves. Ames, if you were to write a book, what would that be? I guess it's going to be a cookbook, I sense. Oh, but- yeah, a cookbook would be my dream. Um, obviously a plant-based, kind of nourishing, wholesome cookbook. Um, but obviously I'd, I'm really passionate also about um, like happiness and positivity and self-love. So I'd want to incorporate that into it as well, I guess. So just how my kind of Instagram posts are just <laughs> like that, just and trying to find a link between food and kind of some kind of motivational quote. So there's something there. So if someone wants to sign me up, you know, <laughs> I'm waiting. That's where she is. Okay, guys, yeah. <laughs> come in. Yeah. Right, well, Ames, I hope you're also going to find the inspiration from Glenn anyway. And guys, listen up, let us know what you think. Remember, just hit us up at Creative Impact on Instagram for any hard and takeaways. And I'll just jump in. Thank you so much, Amy. And let's hear it from Glenn. Hello to us. Hi, Glenn. Thank you so Hi, much Fab. for being with me today. Thanks very much for having me. Actually, I'm holding uh, Glenn's book right now, and I was going to tell him something, and I said, I'm going to tell you when I call it. It smells. <laughs> Wait, it's going to be good. Uh, it smells of Stephen King books. Really? I'll tell you what I mean. Ooh. So when I, a compliment, by the way, uh, <laughs> I have a, I don't know, I know that a lot of people have memories related to visuals or you know, places. Mine smells for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird. And I remember smelling this kind of smell of fresh book from the library where I used to get all of my um, Stephen King books when I was probably 10. So I'm literally smelling it and I was like, because it was quite strong coming out and my, I smell my book as well, obviously. And my book I'll smell it as well, probably. <laughs> you can let me know what it smells like. <laughs> um, and some, obviously, it doesn't smell all of the books I receive, people, by the way. That could be a creepy image every single time <laughs> you see a book in my hands and actually smell that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lovely, lovely smell. Lovely smell, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's like, I'm, I'm looking forward to that like review popping up one day. Someone else just saying, lovely smell, smells like Stephen King books. <laughs> I'll put it on the Amazon reviews and then you can just <laughs> yeah. push it up at the top and be like, <laughs> yeah. love it. And people are like, I found this useful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do love Amazon reviews. I like to read. Um, I don't know if you ever had that. Um, did you, who did you publish with, by the way? It's self-published. Awesome. So I cheated. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's it's fine. I published with a, a very small publisher myself, so that yeah. guy's out. So I didn't really go with a big publisher, and I'm, to be honest, I'm quite chuffed because I think you get a lot of freedom, don't you, when it comes to that? Yeah, 
obviously. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those things that um, it come, both of them come with a price, I think. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I learned is by working with publishers for work and things like that, I did learn a lot of things that publishers tell you. Or there's a little tips and those definitely help me. But at the end of the day, you're the best person to promote your product. You know, it's hard for you to expect somebody else to do as much as you would anyway. Yeah. That's kind of what, what I've seen. Um, the reason why I was asking is because um, a publisher, a friend of mine, said to her, don't look at your Amazon reviews ever. Right. Because it can put, you know, sometimes there's somebody just wants to be nasty and stuff. Yeah. Just... One of my friends had that recently. He really? just wrote his own book. Mm-hmm. All five stars, you know, and obviously you're going to get your friends that supporting you and things yeah, like yeah. that. It's just how it goes. And then someone just out of the blue, bang, one star, really nasty. And it turns out it wasn't because of the book. There was something else attached to it. Yeah. But it kind of put a little bit of a smear on it. And then, you know, I saw it and alerted him to it. And um, and he said it ruined his whole day. But apparently he'd seen it before I said it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Can you imagine, like, oh, my God, what have yeah. I done to this person? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, don't read your reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Lesson of the day number one, don't read reviews. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think in a way, especially when you put so much work, again, not that I'm saying there's somebody who gets good for a publisher, but when you put so much work into the thinking of the strategy or I'm going to push it this way, I'm going to put on this thing, um, I guess why I would get why it would really hurt you like and hit you very close to home. Yeah. Because like, it is your, I mean, it felt like my baby. I don't know if yours felt like your baby, but mine definitely did. Yeah, I'm still acclimatising to what what it's all about at the moment but slowly getting there and of course when you're I'm, I'm not quite sure how it works with publishing to be honest with you because I never even thought to go down that route I probably didn't have as much confidence to try and approach someone with it mm-hmm. I kind of went around the the back door that's the reason why self-published then well it was just something again I think going back to what you said about being like more creative and having a bit more control over something and um you know it costs a lot of money as well it's a lot of time it's a lot of money it's a lot of sacrifice so someone just comes up and uh, is having a bad day and gives you one star and that's on there forever you know you are going to be gutted i so. know i know <laughs> so why did you then want to publish the book what happened what made you feel like it's time without the singing <laughs> or maybe with the singing yeah it was it, was, it happened there was like this moment i was just sitting somewhere it's time <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, i don't i don't know but I just decided that I want to write a book and you know you get good things like I had that before I did PT I mm-hmm. want to become a PT or I want to go traveling and it's almost like you're gonna see it through and I just had that feeling about the book and it was like nothing's gonna get in my way but I'm gonna write a book don't know how I'm gonna do it because I'm not smart <laughs> I've never written anything in my life except texts <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I don't know how I'm gonna do it I can't just text this book to someone but I'm gonna find a way you know and um and yeah, just I didn't even really look into it, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I just stumbled across a course about which was a book writing course, and that really helped me. And then yeah, and then the, the waffle began and then finally found its form. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of that. <laughs> How did you get and I'm saying because obviously I'm looking at the book and again, saying this with love, um, but they say don't judge, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. But most people are gonna judge a book by its oh, cover. Good, yeah. Oh my god. And like my and my friend would just be like it sounds like a silly thing, but if you're struggling to make it nice, just go simpler. That's kind of my opinion. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you because I'm looking at yours. Yeah. I, I like the gold. But anyway, um, <laughs> how did you come up with, obviously, the, the design? Did you get some help? Did you yeah. play with it? I, I had a lot of help. 
to be honest with you, <laughs> much needed. Um, so one of my friends called Radin Malinich, he's a graphic designer. And when I first met him about five years ago, he had already started maybe writing his own book, nearly finishing it. And he's quite a successful graphic designer. He's really knows his stuff and can just make things become things, you know, one of those yeah, guys. Yeah. And um, he released his book and that. And he, we had a conversation and I said, you know, would you design mine? when it comes around because I, I've got absolutely zero creative bones in my body and um, he's, got, he's got them all so um he said yeah I'd love to help you and he believed in the project and then when it was finished you know he he had a little look through it and thought it was really cool and then we came up with a design literally based on things that I thought people would be thinking about the topic yeah because of course the topic is well the book's called think and grow vegan so it can be quite polarizing but the message is not exactly um that's what i'm aiming to be very inclusive about the whole thing so the actual <laughs> the actual um, design came from the the kind of process of trying not to be too vegan okay, number yeah. one um so i don't know what that means well maybe, maybe, like, maybe like throwing loads trees of... or something <laughs> on the trees <laughs> i don't know or or, or, uh, <laughs> or or just what you know like what people that aren't Essentially, like plant-based or open to it would think, yeah, like, or, like I, I protesting or activism fruit. or something. I, I imagine a lot of fruit for some reason, or like vegetables, just kind of like only eat vegetables for yeah. the rest of your life, almost thing. Which I know is not true, but as you say, association. Yeah, totally fine with your tree association. I wasn't <laughs> expecting the first thing to come out was going to be a tree. <laughs> a tree. It was just trying to not be too vegany yeah. to to put off perspective. You know, people that are wanting to reduce their meat intake but haven't thought about like the vegan diet as such. And then the other side of it was wanting not to be too green. Because if you're writing a book about plant-based, like transitioning to a plant-based diet and you're kind of healthy and you're interested in health and fitness, you know, you're going to, it's kind of becoming a bit of a green thing. It is actually. And um, so it was like, how are we not going to be green? And then the gold, I don't know where that came from, to be honest with you. That was just one Sass. day. <laughs> yeah, one day I sent Radim a, um, sent him a Pinterest. Of, I just typed in green and gold into mm -hmm. um, Pinterest and it just came up with all these really cool room collections. Just imagine like a front room or a bar or a toilet even that's just got this really good clash of um, green and gold. And I sent him them and then I, I guess it all just came from there and then he done his flair and that's I how the flowers that. on it, all the red what? and the little lines and stuff. It's kind of funny because that's kind of what it reminds me of. Uh, uh, what's it called? There's a UK program, which I don't know if you ever watch, which is... One of the ones about design, again, the usual like format where it's like people who want to be incredible designers or are tasked with challenges to design like actually rooms. <clears throat> yeah. And it literally reminds me of a couple of those. I don't remember which episode it was, but literally an episode where they were trying to do, I think it was um, a bar or like a, or a restaurant. And it kind of like is this kind of flair that you see when it comes to cool and edgy, a bit sophisticated, but not too much. So it yeah. literally reminds me of a room. Not in a bad yeah. way, a lovely room, but yeah. I can see where you're coming from with that. It just gives you that kind of coffee table feeling that you would see in a restaurant. That's it. Yeah, and going full circle to what you said about judging a book by its cover, I kind of wanted people to do that a bit as well because I just wanted people to, to think that would look cool in my house. I don't care if the book's crap. <laughs> I want that on my shelf you know that's that was part of what I wanted from it and um and then he nailed it yeah he really really done well there I couldn't have done that without him for sure 
by the way, we're, we're going to disclose that the book is not crap. Yeah, <laughs> 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 obviously. Uh, and I like the fact that you, because again, the other thing as well, which I think could be misleading, if you're uh, thinking raw vegan and you think cookbook, but it ain't a cookbook. No. Um, how did you do the research? Oh. <laughs> um, lots and lots of hours, to be honest with you. A lot of the ideas I got to look into, I've done the weirdest thing. So I haven't <laughs> spoke to many people about this, but I kind of unfollowed pretty much every single um, page on Instagram or Facebook to not be um, manipulated in any way. Okay. By, and I just found the research from what I'd heard people say to me in person. So just r- random misconceptions along the way, or if people was talking about the plant-based diet or the vegan diet or the vegan lifestyle or whatever their perception was on it, or vegetarian even, anything that I could take from these conversations with people, I'd make a little note in my phone, go home and then look it all up myself. And it's Absolutely. only now that I've like followed loads of pages to understand everything more. And mm-hmm. I love it. I love everyone's ideas and perspective on things. You know, it's great that everyone can be so open, but... When I was writing the book, I wanted to be as closed as I could because it gave me a lot of um, focus when I went to look into subjects. I wasn't like going all here, there and everywhere. or And it was, you know, being very unbiased because I'd go into something just completely not knowing a thing and then trying to get an answer. And it was, and that's how the, the whole book was built. And also, as you said, there is an element <clears throat> of answering questions or tapping on points that are the common misconceptions or the common questions that people would have, which yeah. kind of means it makes it more relatable. Yeah. Then obviously nothing wrong with a very hardwired piece of research to start with. Yeah. But I was kind of scrolling through again. I was like, carbs make you fat. And I was <laughs> like, eh. So it's literally kind of tapping into what you hear, what the overheard kind of in London from time out sort of thing. Yeah. But like, you know, this is what you usually hear. That's what people would say. Yeah. And is it right or is it not? Well, being, being in the fitness industry for, for like 12 years now, I've just heard it all a million times over and over again. And I stopped reading things when I saw this one particular headline one day. Mm-hmm. And the headline was, Car- is cardio making you fat? <laughs> and at that moment, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> and I just unfollowed so many pages and stuff and just stopped reading like so many magazines and things. I just like just found a few key people and elements and stuff. and I guess the book was, you know, very much like that as well. You know, a lot of the research is scientific studies, but I've condensed it down into like a really shorthand version that you could potentially tell your friends about down the pub, or you would happily disclose that to someone without feeling you're being cynical or biased. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of taken research, which was quite long winded to read and a bit new for me, and just converted it into what would potentially pass if, if, if the question ever came up in a pub quiz. Hopefully, you'd be able to answer it really easily and remember it. Most importantly, remember it. You know, yeah, and, and be sociable about the conversation as opposed to you know being worried about talking about something or or just um, worried about uh, worried about getting something wrong or scaring someone off and and just being just being like quite um, quite concise with it. You know, uh, you, I'm going to shift gear and then jumping into the fitness side of it in a yeah. way that is. We know, we know, I know, <laughs> you all know too now, that uh, Glenn is self-employed, just like je suis, <laughs> just like moi. Uh, so we were talking about the glory yeah. uh, of, you know, the little things that make it incredible and sometimes painful. 
And I was kind of wondering, obviously, you said you've been doing, you know, you've been in the fitness industry for 12 years. Uh, you've been self-employed, you said earlier to me, eight years, roughly. Yeah, about ish. seven. Oh, I don't know. It's how old am I now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about seven years. About seven years. Yeah. And on top of being, obviously, your own boss, you also, and writing the book, you also have a studio that you call on. Is it two of you or is it only yourself? It's Studio 234. So, yeah. I, so I pretty much run it with my friend, yeah, Jason. Was, yeah. So Jason Beckford. And um, it's awesome. It's really cool. It's based in Sutton. And we've got like a little bit of community thing going there. And kind of like the book, we offer something slightly different than the obvious. So the book's not a cookbook, for example. And the studio isn't just a gym. Yeah. It's a personal training studio blended with small group training. And it's got like a really cool kind of, um, uh, I guess, schedule. Yeah. So people don't have to have PT to have an awesome training routine. And everyone's obviously held accountable to coming because we booked them in for appointments. So the idea that me and Jason had before the studio was even a thing, before it probably even had planning permission, <laughs> you know, all the dark days of um, sitting in coffee shops and being on the phone late <laughs> at night and stuff. But we come up with this idea of, you know, why is it that people get, um, why is it people are more likely to get better results personal training than they are having a gym membership or a group class kind of thing that they go to all the time? And we realised it's literally down to accountability. Yes. They're actually going, you know, it's so it's booking people into appointments. When you have a trainer, you book into appointment. If you don't um, go, then, you know, if you book cancel on the day, you're probably going to get charged. And um, we don't do that, by the way. <laughs> um, but we set up like a booking system as such. And because the sessions aren't just every hour on the hour, yeah. you know, we've got morning, we've got midday and we've got evening. Um, you know, a lot of people can have a good kind of routine and structure and hold themselves accountable to it. And then as time's gone by, it's quite hilarious because <clears throat> people don't come there to see us anymore. They go there to see each other. Just when you want. And, yeah, and they're all friends. And what they do as well, they have their WhatsApp groups. And when one of them doesn't come, the other one calls them a pussy. And it's getting to, <laughs> it's getting to this stage where they're all just blended in together. They're all like stuck together. And they're all pulling each other up. And it's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we ever thought it was going to get you know, as fun as what it has. It's always been fun, but, you know, now the group that we've got are really kind of supportive of one another. And, um, yeah, they're just pulling each other up. Everyone's doing amazing. Yeah, it's really doing well. So when it comes to this one answer of things that you're doing, and including the studio, as you said, there is obviously structure, but it's also, and you say it's not like all the time availability, you're trying to create a bit of a schedule, but nevertheless, it's running a physical place. Yes. With including services with it, but it's a lot of work. So, and we've been doing this for seven years, and we were saying again off off record that probably <laughs> will take you ten years to actually get that balance that you're looking for. Yeah. Nevertheless, what have you learned? Let's say maybe in the last one or two years, is there anything that you've learned, or that you've changed? And maybe even like from obviously when you were younger or when you started the studio, because I think every single year almost is, is a little milestone of something yeah. that you learn and you find your own definition of balance in so many ways but especially when it comes to work life yeah. because work is I, I love the name work life because to me it doesn't make sense because work is part of life if you take it out of life then you only live the weekend and you sleep and it's not be fun mm, yeah so you know what I mean but I'm kind of wondering if there was anything in the last couple of years especially with the book coming out and the studio coming up anything that kind of clicked or changed when it came to the way that you approach being your own boss yeah well I never really had any balance whatsoever <laughs> so, <laughs> that was coming potentially coming up to 
this year. Okay. So I never really had balance. And then to be honest with you, up until maybe <laughs> two months ago, this was the busiest year of my life. You know, I was pushing the book over the line. I did a half Ironman, ultra marathon. I had um, stuff happen at the start of the year, like some random um, thing, like a like varicose veins at the start of the year when I was about to do a marathon. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Just a really busy, hectic year, like nothing stopped. And then in November, I realized, you know, the book's done. Done the ultra marathon, done all my events for the year. Now I can kick back. So I've got this balance now, but it's only in the past month or so. Um, but the beauty of obviously having run in the studio with Jason is that this year, while I have been really busy, whereas before, you know, we were both kind of like pulling the studio along, sometimes him more than I, sometimes me more than him. This particular year, it's been good to have someone to really help that. Um, but in order to kind of facilitate the high amount of workload this year, I realized this one really good lesson from this year in particular, which is about how motivation and mood comes after action and yeah. not the other way around. And I never, ever heard this before or I never realized it before. I just thought it was a matter of setting goals. If your goals aren't big enough, then you're not going to get something done. And I do believe that initially you need to set your goal. But thereafter, there will be days where you can't be bothered or you're tired or it just doesn't seem like worth it sometimes because you're human and you you know you're lacking balance and stuff but actually just getting up and moving and just getting things done and just working on stuff non-stop makes you happier makes you more motivated makes you want to do more and then also if you've done something if you are motivated after that you think I want to do that better next time and it kind of all feeds into one another but <laughs> going back to balance again <laughs> I've realized the importance of sleep sleep more than anything um so up to this like I say this year up to like November or something I was really running on nothing I thought how much longer can I sustain that whereas now having a normal sleeping pattern I feel like I can sustain what I'm doing again and you know you need to be able to feel like you can sustain what you're doing otherwise you're just going to one day go ah! <laughs> I just your head's going to blow up or something <laughs> like a little chicken like, ah! like, ah! yeah. you know what as well what I like that you mentioned and what I like that kind of comes out of this, obviously reading between the lines in a way, but yeah, is that obviously you can set goals. Obviously you can set a schedule or whatever you feel keeps you on track. But at the end of the day, nobody else, unless you're an accountability, which we mentioned works for your yeah. studio, as much as that it works for somebody in business, whichever business you have. So if you have accountability or somebody was strict enough to say, stop, you're not got it's hard for you to tell yourself to stop because when do you know the work day is over? When do you know you're done what you have to do? Yeah. You have to be able to find that for yourself, it doesn't mean balance necessarily at mm. all times, but it means being able to say, Okay, this is what I want to get accomplished. What is the one thing, the one action or the one whatever is goal that I want to get today done? And then after that, anything else is a bonus. Yeah. Feel feeling accomplished means that you can end the day whenever and you know that you are done yeah but if you are expecting to tick off a to-do list or anything like that in order to feel accomplished at any given time it's going to be harder am yeah. i making sense yeah definitely and and if you're not sleeping at all <laughs> <laughs> and um you know say for example you're really ragging yourself you know you're not exercising you're working yourself to death 12 15 hour days or something like that you know i've been there loads most of the time to be honest with you then you realize that actually if you, if you get, a, you know, and you might have, say, four, between four and six hours sleep, if you get a full kit, seven, eight hours, and you train, 
and you make time for your friends and your social life and things like that, you can get just as much work done in the space of, you know, eight hours. And I know, you know, it sounds like an eight hour working day, but it's because you're firing on all cylinders, your brain is actually working and you feel good about yourself. So it's not, you know, things aren't being done irrationally and you're on point. You're, you're always doing what you need to do. And, you know, if you are tired a bit, if you are a bit tired, you will procrastinate. Or, yeah. And you'll, and you'll, you know, you might drink more coffee or you might have more sugar just to get that last, you know, that little hour boost and stuff. Um, but yeah, you can definitely condense like better quality work into a shorter time span and just have a higher quality of life. I guess you also would know that again, all PT life. From yeah. Me. Uh, I remember I used to do morning PT, working on the company after that, lunchtime, working on the company and then going back to PT in yeah. the evening when I was doing both again, madness. But yeah. so I appreciate that you probably have the same. It's like you have to fit different elements of the business or the whatever you're working on has to fit within the clients, the classes, because it's not a nine to five sort of. No, situation. it's a five to nine. <laughs> <laughs> With, do you have naps, by the way? Um, yeah. My friend my friend was saying that she's a PT as well, and she said she likes to have naps. Yeah, only, only the last two, like I say, in the last, say, six weeks, two months since my last event finished. Yeah. So I didn't have the time for naps, you know. <laughs> but now you have the nap, and then you go back to your evening sessions, Say, for example, you get a nap in at, I don't know, two or three, mm-hmm. if you've got, you know, no, no, nothing in that period. You go back to your evening sessions and instead of feeling like completely zonked, because you're, you're working, you know, you're doing like 15 hour a day, but you're, you're on it. You're on it at night and it's a really good feeling, you know, and I think it's just, like you say, that balance. If you're only going to get six hours kit for your next one in the morning, then you need to get one or two hours in a day, you know, otherwise you are a zombie and you're, you're actually pushing the, the message of health but you don't feel healthy. <laughs> and it's not that you feel like a crook or a con man or you're lying because you don't know about health, but you're just not doing it. You know, you're not, you're not kind of like um, practicing what you preach. Question. How do you get yourself to nap? Is it like just throwing like a hammer at yeah. yourself? Or? Um, if you're napping in the day, mm-hmm. if you haven't got blackout blinds or something, get a little eye mask. Yeah. Oh, that- I see helps so much and also of course it's the coffee situation don't have a coffee too too much before and sometimes that is the battle it's like am I going to have a coffee and get some admin work done or book stuff for example or am I going to have a nap and then not feel as crap the next day and probably find you know find that the evening is a lot more easier and streamlined and you know I've got I've got more energy and things you know to put into your clients and so it's um yeah it's a toss-up but yeah coffee and no coffee and eye mask. <laughs> I, I was reading actually. There's a what was the book called? It was a book about sleep, obviously. But they were saying, um, obviously, again, trial and research, isn't it? Yeah. So it was a pool and a study, which means different people work in different ways. But for example, was it having a coffee right before you go to sleep for a nap? It's fine because you're going to kick oh. in in about thirty minutes time. So if you have a short wow. nap, it's going to work. So I think is. It's kind of funny that one because again, I heard people saying never have coffee anyway, and some people saying have it straight before, have an app, and then it's going to kick in. So I think, as you said, though, it's always like you read something and you have to take everything with a pinch of salt because you don't know if it's going to work for you. So if it doesn't work for you, it's like the old training. I mean, if you are, again, if you are an athlete or if you love exercising, you'll know that you will need to be really careful about. You that your digestive system in the way that I know I cannot have anything before a workout for at least two hours. Really, three hours if it's lunch. No, 
because otherwise I literally feel sick. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I know people, they can have a banana and off you go. Obviously, if it's a race, I'm going to have to adjust. But most times, I don't eat. So it's the same thing. You know, I know my body and people are like, well, maybe you should eat. I'm like, no. Yeah. I'm literally going to puke. I don't yeah. want that when I'm doing burpees. It's yeah. So it's kind of about understanding how you work because obviously something that you mentioned within as, as the book as well, we are bombarded by information at all times and you yeah. don't know who to trust because it's really hard when it comes to your own well-being. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes, as you said, you talked a lot about intuition. Yeah. When it came to things to do, when it comes to other elements of what you do. And I think sometimes we forget to actually listen to our intuition. Yeah. And we should a bit more in so many areas because usually it's kind of right. That's yeah, find. really is. I mean, when all of the stuff out there is amazing. It's so good to have all of this knowledge. But like you say, you can have the science and the numbers and the facts and the figures. But when you take that all away, you've just got a person. You've got a human. There's just, we're, we're so high maintenance. <laughs> <laughs> We've got all sorts going on and we have emotional attachments to everything we do. So, you know, like it's great to have that. And it means that you can offer different protocols for different people in the, in the offset. So you're less likely um, to, to waste someone's time or waste your own time because you'll know a little bit, oh, this could work for me. It's not like you're just pulling something out of a hat and going, all right, I'm going to try this one day and it just does nothing for you. But, you know, you are a person and we're just so weird. Like, And each, sometimes a year is different from the year before. You know, I, I found out, <laughs> it's weird, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but um, I found out that I'm like allergic to Marmite. Wow. <laughs> and when I was younger, I used to just eat it like with my toast or my crumpets. Oh, no. Yeah. And I was going to so go. So you're not for, intolerant, you're allergic. Yeah, I wheeze oh. every time I have it now. And I was, so, you know, Snowden in Wales. Yeah. So I was staying at this like Airbnb and um, I was just having like toast and butter and, you know, I thought, oh, Marmite, lovely. And at this time, I was a little bit like, the last couple of times I've had Marmite, <laughs> wheezed. And then I put the, um, put it on and then I did Snowden like done the done Mount Soden like um the hike while wheezing for the rest of the time. <laughs> I was like, damn it, the altitude plus the the marmite has just done me in. And um and yes, yeah, so I just haven't had it since and I haven't had that problem since. But I never had that before. You know, so we change a lot. So that would say, you know, just because something worked before doesn't mean it's always gonna work or did, you know, and vice versa. You have to just think we are forever changing. And, you know, and it's the same with training and PT, you know, you can't, you can't just do, you, you need to do the same thing for a certain amount of time for it to resonate. So you can build a skill and you develop um, progress, you know, very obvious linear progress in something. But if you did that all the time, you, you'd stopped adapting and, and, you know, you might go backwards, who knows? Um, but you just need to permanently change things up. Now I have one more question. Yeah. The hardest question. Probably, you, you know, if you think about the episodes that you listen to. Yeah. The last one that everybody gets asked. You might prepare then, because nobody does. <laughs> it's always funny. If you could have brunch with anyone, dead or alive, who would yeah. it be? Right. There is a few people Ooh. who I really kind of um, look up to. Yeah. So my number one guy who inspired me a lot in the, you know, in the very early days of starting endurance sports and writing a book was Rich Roll. Do you know him? Yeah. Yeah. So I just think he's just a dude. And um, when I, when I got to like the age of say late twenties, 
I started looking at people who were older than me because I, I started, I read a few books and so, you know, self-development books on obviously everything just kept coming back to habits and habits and habits and stuff like that. And I looked up to see who was older, healthier, and just doing amazingly well at life. Who's got a great lifestyle. And I saw that I, I luckily came across him and I was like, wow, that guy is, is just an inspiration. So I'd love to have a brunch with him. Just him. Yeah. Yeah, it would it'd be great. And then um, there's two other people, I'd say. Can I squeeze them in? Can I squeeze them in quick? Um, Grant Cardone, mm-hmm. um, who I've been over to America to see a couple of times. Oh, amazing. Just his energy is unbelievable and his nickname is Uncle G. So <laughs> he's like, he, he, I didn't call him that. He calls himself that. But he does take on the role. You do think, oh my God, this guy's family. He's got this really <laughs> weird, you know, some people have got that weird kind of DNA, genetic thing that just pull you in. I love it. He's like, Uncle G, I'm your uncle. And you're like, oh my God, you are. <laughs> you are my uncle we might be related I don't know how he does it and then um, David Goggins David Goggins so I stumbled across him on Rich Roll's podcast mm-hmm. but David Goggins I actually went and saw him live in London and um, he he's just very inspirational he's like a Navy SEAL he's wrote a book and crazy crazy upbringing he just managed to turn it around now and he's just he's just a machine yeah. that sounds like a great table to have for brunch <sighs> I don't know how, I don't know what would go down though what would you make would you make the food or would you go somewhere else and be like no somebody makes the food for us Rich Roll would have to recommend it it'd be, it'd be somewhere in California oh I, oh, I Rich see Rich Roll yeah <laughs> Sod Sutton I'm gonna go to Cali <laughs> yeah. I love it thank you so much for being with me today thanks very so much for much. having me and, and just quickly I just want to say thanks for hooking me up with that bowl of food before we got going quinoa roasted chickpeas avocado salt what was that juice um uh, yuzu oh my god yuzu is the best thing it's yeah. literally like lemon but sweeter but not it's not sweet it's got something and um this is very middle class i found it in, <laughs> in waitress i found yuzu juice because waitress middle yeah. class uk <laughs> yeah. supermarket um they have it and because i had it before since and I'm like, oh my god there's yuzu juice and it's delicious. So now I've got yeah. this little bottle that I just decanted and stuff and stuff. I've never had it before. I'm definitely going to start using it now. Yeah, wait. Give me the class. Why not? Live wide at large. Yeah. Thanks very <laughs> much. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check our show notes for more juicy goodness about this episode. If you loved it, please take some time to give us five stars on iTunes. And make sure that you let us know your ha-has and takeaways on Instagram at Creative Impact Co. Also, you can find out more about us on our website at creativeimpact.group.